welcome to Prince Truck by Trash, and today we're going to be talking about Plectrum Electrum from the album Plectrum Electrum, and that is all one word because that is how Prince did it for Plectrum Electrum. I say Prince, but actually, of course, this is credited to Third Eye Girl. This was recorded sometime in 2013 at Paisley Park and released originally on the 13th of March 2013 as part of a live stream that Prince did on thirdeyegirl.com, I think was his website at the time. Uh, on the track, it is Prince and Third Eye Girl, and uh, in a kind of, I don't know, this is probably the only time, I think, on this album where this is a song that's written by one of the other people in the band. Uh, Donna Grantis is credited as the writer, and Prince was credited as arranging the song, uh, rather than kind of, you know, normally he has his you know, written, performed, arranged, composed by Prince, but th in this case, somebody else wrote, kind of came up with the main riff, and... Uh, in, in a kind of turnaround from what had happened when Wendy and Lisa were in the band, Prince gave somebody else the credit um, <laughs> rather than just taking it and, I don't know, sticking it in a motion picture and pretending that he wrote the song, uh, which, of course, is the plot of Purple Rain anyway. Uh, yeah, the track is 4 minutes 51, and joining me to talk about today is Russell Irie. Hello, Russell. Hello. Uh, I think it's interesting because, obviously, the first episode that you were a guest on, I think, was Pr Prince's first instrumental uh, on an album which of course was Venus de Milo mm -hmm. um, and this is the final instrumental from Prince really so, uh, yeah you have bookended the instrumentals um, <laughs> and I have released in his career and I have similar feelings about both of them <laughs> <laughs> but you know what in total in totally different ways actually so it's in, I mean because they're very different songs but yeah I would say yeah. my affection for them is similar <laughs> well, I mean, you know, this is just basically, um, you know, a, a kind of, uh, you know, a rock instrumental. You know, the, the idea with Third Eye Girl was Prince had this band that he put together, um, you know, three very talented musicians, um, you know, uh, Hannah Welton Ford, Ida uh, Nielsen and Donna Grantis, you know, with him just on guitar uh, on this track. I think he I, I think the first there's like three solos and I think the first and the last are him. But I think the middle solo, I think, is um, uh, I think it's it's Donna Grantis. If I re if I remember correctly, just from the sounds of the guitars, just like the first and the last one sound like Prince's guitar to me. Mm -hmm. um, I could have that wrong because, of course, Prince doesn't credit people for individual solos on this particular track. But just the way the guitar sounds, the middle solo has kind of like a wah wah and a phaser on, mm -hmm. and it sounds completely different to the first and last. Which you know, on the live performance when he did it on SNL, he did the first solo, and the sound of his guitar is the same guitar that he's using on this on this track. So. Uh, just using those audio cues, that's my, my best guess. I'm sure if she wanted, Donna Grantis could tweet at me and correct me on that one. Um, <laughs> but that's what it certainly sounds like to me. Um, and we have, you know, a, a very kind of simple main riff, um, you know, which starts the song out. Um, you know, about 40 seconds in, they kind of double up the main riff. Um, and then there's, a, you know, there's a little bit of a kind of like a drum solo thing before we go to the first guitar solo. Um, you know, and then we have this kind of bridge, which leads into the second guitar solo. And as we come out of that bridge, we kind of go back to the main riff, but with um, a little bit of kind of drum solos uh, from uh, uh, from Hannah uh, on the on the drums. And then we kind of finish up with, you know, one final guitar solo just before we do the riff one last time to finish the song out. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously, when it comes down to instrumentals, you know, the main kind of selling thing has to be how catchy kind of like the the main theme is mm. um you know and i i'm i mean i kind of like this riff you know i think it, it's kind of very basic it's kind of like you know an eight bar riff i think if i'm counting it correctly um 
And, you know, it's it's nothing kind of too complex. Uh, it feels like it's kind of in a very easy key. And, you know, I think the, kind of the idea of this is just to spotlight the, the kind of the members of the band just a little bit. Um, you know, there's not any kind of like bass solo or anything, which I, I would have thought really they would have thrown one in there, at least for, you know, a few bars. Um, but instead we get the kind of the guitar solos. Um, and then there's a couple of little parts, like I said, where the kind of you get these little like kind of drum fills. Um, you know, um, and even when we're in the bridge, kind of underneath the or kind of the th the middle solo, underneath that you have the main riff kind of very quietly being played um, as this, as that kind of solo goes on, uh, just before the main riff kind of comes full in with the whole band. Um, but yeah, so I guess your affection for the song will depend on how memorable you find that main riff to be. Yeah, or I guess like I mean I do remember it right now. <laughs> I have listened to it now probably like four or five times. Um, and so I, I, I wrote down uh, an alternate title for this uh, song could have been DD doodle doodle doo doo, which is what I think about how, I, like, how in my mind I always sing it to myself. DD doodle doodle doo doo. Yeah. It's basically that fits. How, I it, mean, how it works yeah, if, out. If you wanted to. If you wanted to give it lyrics, I guess that's what you could sing over the top of it. But dee uh... <laughs> dee doodle doodle doo doo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I I think it, I, it's funny because I I I think I called Venus de Milo pretty lady music, um, which is that it's like the scene in a movie where like you see the pretty lady on the other side of the room and and the the wind is blowing her hair, um, and this is like it's sort of extremely macho counterpart feeling to me, which is funny because knowing that it's like a lot of ladies making the music, it's kind of ironic, but it just sounds so like, this is rock and roll, baby. Um, it, it's very basic sounding to me, which is probably why I don't like it. Um, and also, I can't remember if I said this in the... Uh, the Venus de Milo episode, but this is also probably a perfect song to just like fall directly into my own blind spots, which is that I really am not a good person to judge sort of musicianship, um, which I feel like this is probably one of those tracks. Venus de Milo is probably also to, to a degree that too, where I, I just don't have the ear to sort of appreciate like somebody who's a really good guitarist, I just don't hear it necessarily well. So like whenever people say Prince is a good guitarist, I'm always like, yeah, sure. Like I can hear that, I guess. Like I don't really know why. Um, and I totally understand how this works because I feel like I, in my day-to-day -day work, I encounter a lot of people who probably don't understand why, you know, when they stand in front of like an abstract color field painting and I, and they can't really tell why that painter is any good because they're just looking at you know flat colors or something and I can sort of see the hand of the artist in that still and so I kind of understand how we can just have those blind spots like to me I see it and I understand that other people don't and so I kind of get why you know to some people they could hear this and be like wow those people are really jamming and aren't they talented and to me it just doesn't do anything for me and I think you mentioned you know it's pretty basic like I just don't it doesn't another thing I'm always looking for in almost like everything is I like to be surprised so it's probably why I respond better to 
you know, even like weirder tracks like Wedding Feast because it's so bizarre and like it constantly keeps changing and, and it keeps me on my toes. So this I don't feel like ever goes anywhere surprising. Like it never does anything that it, it doesn't feel like it actually goes many places. I mean, there is some variation, but it doesn't really take me on a journey or ever surprise me in any way yeah i mean i'd say that's completely true like i would say that you know in terms of the kind of structure of it there's nothing surprising about it you know it has the main riff they double up the main riff there's a few little features for like some dr drum fills before they go to some solos mm -hmm. when they come back from some solos they hit straight into the into the um into the main riff if i were to guess i would say it roughly follows it probably roughly follows uh 16 bars is probably the whole kind of you know um, the whole kind of riff when it's repeated, um, you know, and, and it just kind of does every 16 bars is just something slightly different. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, you know, considering this is a band that Prince effectively had kind of put together like, I don't know, about six months before they did this song for the first time. Um, you know, it's just a good way to kind of get to know your bandmates if you can just kind of do a basic <laughs> kind of song and just kind of, you know, learn to just kind of how everybody else works. Mm. And that that feels maybe like what that's what this was, you know. Maybe mm -hmm. Donna had an idea and was like, "Oh, you know, I've just been messing about with this riff. How about we just kind of like jam on it a little bit and kind of see what we can do?" And you know, Prince probably heard it and was like, "Yeah, this, you know, he he was probably enjoying um, playing it." You know, something that I think people don't like. People don't really seem to be fans of guitar solos. Um, you know, in the main. Um, and I would agree with them on a lot of occasions. You know, there are points where some guitar solos are just self-indulgent and, you know, they kind of bring a song to a halt. Um, but in this case, this feels a lot like Prince, particularly with like the, the first and the last solo, kind of um, just figuring out what everyone else in the band can do and just being like, you know, you're going to have to just keep doing this riff for like 16, 32 bars, however long it is, while I do a solo. And we're just going to be able to see if you can kind of keep up with what I'm doing. And even what they're doing is very basic. It's, you know, they're still a fairly tight band in terms of the performance. Um, and so, you know, it does just, just, it just feel like Prince kind of feeling out what the other, you know, what everyone else in the band can do. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, seeing what they can deliver. And the idea was that it would be, you know, three ladies who were delivering rock, you know, in which was that was expected to subvert, you know, expectations enough. <laughs> that, True. That I don't think, you know, pr Prince was, you know, the fact that, that, that you know, you say that, my, you know, Venus de Milo is kind of pretty lady music and that's just Prince by himself at a piano. Right. But then here we have kind of like a more kind of muscular kind of, you know, rock song and it's delivered by three women with Prince. Right. Like, it's, you know, it, it, I would say, obviously, the song doesn't need to be that surprising just because the whole concept. Sh I mean, it shouldn't really, because, you know, obviously, at this point, we've had probably like 30 years of, you know, women in rock. But even now, it is still kind of when people see women like, you know, playing guitars or whatever, they still kind of, for some reason, seem shocked when, you know, I know a few kind of really good you know, women who play guitar <laughs> in real life. So it's like, you know, it, it's not, it shouldn't be unexpected that, that kind of, you know, anyone can play any instrument, but obviously certain instruments are seen as being, you know, men and certain instruments are seen as being the domain of women. And I think just the idea of, you know, Prince with an all woman rock band is, is meant to be kind of surprising enough to start off with. I would even say as well, you know, Prince at this point, he's, uh, uh, what was this like five years ago? So he would have been about 55 so even that idea is kind of like Prince is a 55 year old man with like three kind of like 20 year old, you know, almost 30 year old women as his band. 
that's kind of an unusual visual anyway to start off with. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, so I can, I can understand how, like, the song itself isn't that kind of... It's not really... It doesn't really stand out either. Like, it's one of the... It's, like, Prince has done a few instrumentals, and this is one of those where I'm like... When I listen to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, this is the one that goes like that. Like, it's not super memorable, but at the same time, I think the idea of the song was just for, for Prince to be able to be like, look, you know, here's my band. Mm-hmm. They are three very accomplished women. Is it you know? Isn't that just a little bit surprising in this day and age? And it shouldn't be really, but it, it's just one of those things that you know, by its very nature, ends up kind of being surprising. Yeah, kind of almost like all those. Uh, there's some there's some women who like um, who sing in like those kind of like bands where they all sing kind of like uh, I don't know, really kind of low voiced kind of rock stuff. Like uh, I can't. There was one who was really big, like about ten years ago, and I cannot think of her name. I'm sure it had Wish in the, the name or something like had that. Had what like, in the name? Wish, probably something Wish, um. Angel Wish, Death Wish, something like that. <laughs> yeah, but like the idea of this, the, the idea of like this genre of where the, you know the like all the men sing like they've 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 had their throats like what like, like they've been strangled, and then it's like oh, but this one's got a woman singing and you're meant to go, Oh, well this is, right. I didn't, I would never expect, but it's like, well, of course, you know, if a woman wants to sing in a lower voice, she can, like, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be surprising, but it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Particularly, I mean, this is something that obviously still exists within rock, you know, like pretty much anything that isn't just like four dudes in leather ends up just being kind of super shocking. And you're like, I don't, you know, it shouldn't be that shocking, but you know, that was kind of one of the elements of this band. Mm-hmm. You know, he seemed to kind of gravitate to very kind of like talented women. Um, and yeah, the song isn't super memorable, but I I still kind of enjoy it, and I I enjoy the SNL performance, if only for Prince kind of having to do a weird kind of technical correction because he goes from singing one song and he picks his guitar up, and as he picks it up, he realizes it hasn't been plugged in correctly by whoever the guitar tech was uh, at SNL. And so he has to mess about with his... He's playing something, and you can see in his eyes, he's like, this isn't making a sound. Something's <laughs> going on. Why can't I hear Prince? You know, the best guitarist on the stage. Why can't I hear him playing? And so he kind of messes with his guitar a little bit, and then all of a sudden his guitar comes in. Um, so I, I guess that's one of the things that kind of makes that performance memorable kind of for the wrong reason. Uh, but then he goes on to perform for like another six minutes. So, you know, you kind of get over that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The performance on SNL is kind of interesting because, you know, you actually... You know, you see the kind of chemistry between the the three kind of ladies on stage. Yeah, I was shocked that they actually that he even performed this song on SNL. Like, it just seems so funny that you have this, you know, pretty big stage. I mean, obviously, he's Prince. He doesn't care at this point to like, you know, he probably in his mind, they need him more than he needs them. So um, it's a very ballsy move to to spend about four minutes of your eight minutes on a in an instrumental track, right? It just seems a little ballsy um, to not sort of give them what they want. <laughs> but that's not surprising yeah. out of him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And there's also interesting footage of like, uh, you know, after his death, uh, Jimmy Fallon kind of revealed that um, Prince had played some songs with Third Eye Girl. I think that, you know, they were still his band at the time um, at the SNL 40, like after party. Mm. He didn't perform on the SNL 40 show, like the 40th anniversary show at all. He like he didn't perform on that, but for the after party he had apparently turned up. He'd been invited there by Lawn and uh, and you know he had his band and they played like a few songs and some of the other kind of cast members joined him on stage. And you can you can like that is when he did kind of give them the 
like you know the hits where he did like let's go crazy and very right. sort of stuff like that so um but yeah but even then you can see the talent of the of the three women kind of coming through when they're having to perform you know songs that everyone knows it's easy enough to kind of perform the latest material of the newest album because if you make a mistake not a, not many people are going to kind of pick up on it but if you make a mistake playing purple rain people are going to be like oh they've wrecked purple rain <laughs> so um you know there's more of a risk when you're delivering the hits with a new band um but yeah i mean i would say for me it's probably a two out of five it's probably the least memorable track on plectrum electrum um you know i feel like there's a lot of other kind of like stronger tracks on here um you know this is probably i mean you know i think the last four albums that prince did which was you know artificial age plectrum electrum and the two kind of hit and runs i think that's like you know a strong finish i obviously he did not have it being the finish in mind when he released those albums um but you know it's kind of like a really strong output of a material over you know the space of like 18 months um and this is probably one of the weaker tracks on those four albums. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with the two out of five. That's 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 fair, and that's probably where my mind went to as far as just going like, well, I'm assuming this is, you know, like I said, I'm a bad judge of it, but I'm assuming this this sounds like people who are accomplished musicians, so it's probably they're at least talented, and I appreciate, you know, I did the cover of this album makes it very clear, like it puts a pretty strong focus on the femininity of the women, right? Like it makes that the focus is the, the very design of the cover is, is about them. Um, so I, I can appreciate that subversion of something that sounds so, you know, um, stereotypically masculine um, in the way that just culture has taught us that this is, this sounds masculine, which is just kind of funny in itself, how something can sound masculine. But I mean, I think I tend to, it's probably what also makes me not like the track as much as I tend to like things that sound a little more feminine. You know, it's, it's, it's what, uh, you know has made me sort of always love like new order or something is that like oh this is like just a little too soft isn't it like there's something i've always loved how sort of feminine it feels and i don't exactly know how to put my finger on it but one of the notes i made about this song was that i could imagine editing a snowboard video to <laughs> this song like, <laughs> that's sort of where my mind went with the, the like how it sounds is like i could imagine people doing cool snowboarding tricks while it plays um and so well what you need to do then is just take the video for um for Jamiroquai's Light Years which is just literally the band Jamiroquai um like doing snowboarding tricks really and just put this yeah seriously <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite uh, Jamiroquai songs as well and just put this music over the top of it and just see if it works and I'm guessing it probably will um but yeah so uh, there was uh, the thing is as well there's something like really kind of like 1993 about a music video that's all about people snowboarding yeah, like, I remember when snowboarding just came, like, just suddenly became a thing, and it was just like everywhere. And you were like, "What? Like, are we meant to? Like, what's going on here? Like, what? Are we meant to like this? Like, what? It's was you it, know, it's like skiing, but slightly less impressive." This could not be more off topic, but was it? It was ninety the ninety four Olympics in Lillehammer the first time snowboarding was in the Olympics? Because I remember it ha it happened in my lifetime. I'm not sure, actually, to be honest with you. I, I, like, I'm not, I, like, I, all I, all I kind of remember is, like, sometime in the mid-90s, like, all of a sudden, ev everything was about snowboarding, 
and like Sean White was suddenly everywhere right. and there were snowboarding games on like the N64 and it was like everyone kind of knew about like the different snowboarding like events and stuff and it was just like how did this happen <laughs> like how how did we suddenly get to snowboarding being all over the place uh, um it, yeah checking up on it I think 98 yeah, yeah was was that like was that Lilyhammer? No, or was that it was after? Nagano. I just yeah, I just did the yeah. search too. Yeah, so it was actually it yeah. was the 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 one after that in uh, ninety eight, which makes sense because I remember doing like school projects about the Olympics in seventh grade, and uh, you know we were all about like speed skating. So I think <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. It although has... apparently like the 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 kind of push to get it, you know. Um, put into the Olympics did start in like 90, 93, 94. Right. So yeah. it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, but I mean, if anyone wants to, just watch Light Years and it is probably like the most 90s kind of like snowboarding thing in the entire world. It's just, you know, um, a, 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 a like a, a kind of like a, a jazz funk band snowboarding in like what looks like the Alps, I think. Um, and that's their music video. Like that's you know that's that, that's literally. I mean the only the only way it could be more Jamiroquai were if they were all getting high at the same time. Uh, <laughs> with teach with kind of like the words legalize it on their snowboards. Like that would literally be the only way it could be more Jamiroquai. But yeah, so I mean I feel like we said about as much as anyone's ever going to say mm. about <laughs> the <laughs> instrumental plectrum electrum. I was just going to ask Russell because this is uh, the final episode that you're going to be on. Uh, just if you remember briefly how it was that you heard about Prince's death or your thoughts on Prince's death. Uh, as I'm in these final few albums, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to speak with all of my guests about Prince's death. Yeah. Um, but can you kind of recall hearing about it? Can. I don't remember. I, I guess I, I'm sorry to say it wasn't like a, I, I don't remember the exact location I was or anything. I, I I don't know if it's quite like a JFK situation for me that I remember being like, oh, I was definitely at work or something. But I actually, I mean, in my memory, I think I was at work um, when I heard the news and it was pretty, pretty shocking. I mean, I just, I, it was just something I didn't, I never expected. I mean, in probably the same way, like, I didn't expect Michael Jackson either, but you probably should have, you know? <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, it, it was just really, I, I don't know. It's like really weird because my memory of it now is maybe more tied up with like the end of the year and like the end of 2016. Um, and like also like David Bowie dying and just like kind of just it it's all sort of mixed up in my brain now um so yeah I don't I don't know it's it it became kind of a weird mix I remember some of my friends being all you know going they had screenings of Purple Rain here in the theater that you could go see so I know some of my friends were doing that and um it was you know it was definitely like super sad for me but i i don't necessarily rem i can't be like ah oh, i was in the grocery store and i was picking up a plum appropriately and it dropped out of my hand or anything i don't have anything good to say like that sorry <laughs> no i mean I, I mean the thing is of course like you know i think yeah earlier in the year like literally in like the you know what was it like of certainly early january you know, you had David Bowie and then like literally three months later you get Prince and it's like, this is kind of, and the weirdest thing is, you know, obviously David Bowie, you know, he released, uh, he's released the album and then like literally a couple of days later he died, he died. Um, I think the release of the album was 
timed so it would come close to his death anyway. He kind yeah. of had it recorded, didn't he? And then he, you know, he deliberately kind of put it out close to when he knew he was going to be dying. Um, but with Prince, it was kind of a little bit more unexpected because obviously, you know, as we've subsequently found out, it was kind of a more of a kind of accidental thing. Um, and, you know, he had been, like I said, he had been on this run of like three or four albums in the space of 18 months uh, after like an almost four year gap between 2010 and uh, an artificial age. And it's kind of it's like, you know, it was weird to kind of see Prince back at this kind of creative kind of fervor and kind of putting out more work again. And then, you know, he was gone. Um, so, yeah, yeah I think kinda, I was, think it was uh, always and even if he was a person who I hadn't really listened to a lot in especially in his later career in the last few years, there was a, like a comfort in just knowing like, well, Prince is out there like he's going to keep making stuff because he never <laughs> stops working and he's going to just keep putting out albums, whether anyone listens to them or not. So it, there was something a little like also just really depressing about the fact that you, this this person that you had considered a sort of constant um was gone you know that was really sad uh well then let's go to plugs is there anything that you wish to plug russell sure you can listen to my uh podcast art palace uh produced by the cincinnati art museum um and uh, you can follow me on instagram um, or Twitter at Russell Irig. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email us, not sure why you would, at Prince Track by Track at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Russell. You're welcome. And otherwise, goodbye. <laughs>